stage with me. I don't want them in this phony business, and I don't want them anywhere near the bastards who run it. And we're back. Welcome once again to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. It's category review time, Michael. I am your co-host, Mike One. This is co-host also, Mike. We're Yo. talking about the best actress category today, Michael. we got some special guests to talk with us. Brandon Stanwick and Joey Gentili of the Academy Queens podcast joined us today. Uh, they discuss, rank, and shade the acting winners and nominees of yesteryear, as their tagline reads. They basically do seasons of rest retrospectives and it, it's really awesome we love their format because they've done a season on the 70s the 80s and the 90s they got the 2000s coming out at the end of february so it's every episode's a deep dive they bring on a lot of guests and they talk about the race you know so it's very addictive listening and they, they break it down uh, performance by performance movie by movie but they they also talk about the race and the ups and downs of it yeah and they're walking encyclopedias when it comes to oscar's knowledge too uh it was a joy having them on we are talking about the best actress category today like i said so the first half of this episode is going to be us breaking down uh the best actress category not only from this year but also last year and the reason we're starting off with the academy <laughs> queens in this uh category breakdown episode is because we have this long-standing rivalry on Twitter that goes back to last year's Academy Awards where I have been a huge fan of Glenn Close's performance in The Wife. Uh, you have appreciation for it, but you, and like the Academy Queens, all think Olivia Coleman justifiably beat Glenn Close last year. I do. And I am brokenhearted, so I am prepared to fight a three-man team, a three-man army, if you will, with all my might and just me in Glenn's golden dress behind me. <laughs> Yeah, the Twitter beefs you have <laughs> and the grudges you hold, my friend, they're uh, they're a little crazy. <laughs> I'm a man <laughs> held captive by my own mind. No, but you are a big softy today. You 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 like their show like me, and yeah, we're, we're glad to have big you. fans of there. So that's the first half of this episode. Our breakdown of the best actress category with Academy Queens. The second half of this episode, uh, once we say goodbye to them, is just going to be Mike and I doing our usual category breakdown format. We're going to go through each nominee. We'll give you reasons why they'll win. We'll give you reasons why they'll lose. It'll be a little truncated because we're fitting two kind of huge segments into this single episode. Really trying to give you this best actress category from all different angles and then at the end of this episode we will be ranking our personal preference for our top fives in this category so they're not going to be the mike mike and oscars top fives where we give you who should have been nominated on the year mm -hmm. we're going to be giving you the breakdown of how we rank these academy five performances and who we think should win given what the academy gave us as nominees so to start off like we said the first half of this episode the grudge gets squashed. Austin Academy Queens talking about last year's Best Actress performances and this year's Best Actress category. Look forward to that, and we will see you on the other side. Alright, on the line right now, we have Brandon and Joey, a.k.a. the Academy Queens. Guys, thank you so much for coming on and talking Best Actress with us today. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. It's such a pleasure. We'll see about that once we get down to the nitty-gritty. Now look, in all seriousness, we're going to be looking ahead to the Best Actress category. We're going to be breaking down each nominee in this category review episode. But the four of us, we have some unfinished business amongst each other to tend to first. Because before looking ahead, we got to look back at the Best Actress race from last year. And the reason we're doing that is first and foremost to see if there are any similarities or hints that can provide some clarity in the category this year. But... And more relevant and primarily, we've had this kind of year-long feud on Twitter between yourselves 
and we Mikes, and specifically me, Mike, Mike One. Also, Mike has kind of gone to the dark side with you guys on this a couple times. I've ganged up on you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm fighting a, a losing <laughs> battle, I feel like, but that's all right. Uh, we've had this discussion, this argument, this tiff. It's all been in good fun, but you two and you three, also Mike has been included in this as well, like I said, are very vehement that Olivia Coleman was worthy of the Best Actress nom- uh, no, win, I'm sorry, last year in the Best Actress, the Lead Actress category. I stand and stand for Glenn Close, America's sweetheart, goddammit, and say she was worthy. Mm. Here's the lead question I want to ask, and either one of you can take it. If nothing else, just to start, before we start losing our minds and yelling at each other, was Glenn Close at least the number two for you guys last year? Um... I'm going to start with this, and this may throw you for a curve. Anytime that we've had that like discussion on Twitter, mind you, Brandon created the Twitter. Brandon is still a part of the Twitter. But I, in all honesty, probably do 98% of the Twitter stuff. He has never once come to you and say, guess what? It's Olivia Coleman. So let I'll let him talk about that in a second. Oh, so for there's me, hope for me. Okay. <laughs> well, maybe. maybe. I'll, let him, I'll let him do his thing. But... No, Glenn Close is third at best in that lineup. Oh, God. Okay, third. give it to me. Who's two? Uh, two would be Melissa McCarthy for me. That's uh, interesting. I, th- I At least you're not going the Gaga route, because I would have probably lost it a little bit there. But all right, no, Brandon. I, I hated everything about that Star is Born remake, except for Bradley Cooper. I, that's great to hear. <laughs> I love Bradley <laughs> Cooper myself, but Brandon, lay it on me. Do I have any hope here, or am I fighting a losing battle against all three of you? I think you have some hope. Um, so my winner on the night was Melissa McCarthy. She was my number one for Can You Ever Forgive Me? Um, I have not revisited any of the nominations since they were um, up for the Oscar. So my opinion might change once I revisit them for our eventual episode on this year. But um, my number one on the night was Melissa McCarthy. And my two and three went back and forth between Glenn Close and Olivia Coleman. So um, I think you have a fighting chance here. I like it. All right. I'm not, I'm not as alone and as Tom Hanks on the island as I thought I was. I don't have to put a face on a volleyball. All right, well, why Olivia Coleman over Glenn Close, though? I want to hear this argument as well, because I have it. I've made it with Mike before, but do it do it better than me. Why Olivia Coleman over Close? Okay, so I, for me, it's almost like a broken record if you listen to our show. Um, I make a part of my living in comedy. I'm a stand-up comic, so I travel the country, and I, and I work comedy clubs, and I get paid to make people laugh. Hmm. So I, kn- I know what it's like to do comedy. Uh, when I started, I started very young on the stage doing musical theater. And I've also done drama. I have a big, big defense for comedy being harder than drama. Listen, I can tell you your cat died and make you cry, but I, it's a lot harder to get a laugh from you in the long run. The favorite is beautiful, historic period piece comedy. And Coleman is on point with everything she does. I'm talking line delivery. I'm talking um, emotional delivery. I'm talking even physical comedy at points. I mean, the bitch falls over just to leave a room. I mean, <laughs> hello. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you know what? It, it's 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 delicious. Uh, you know, I, I have this weird saying that I just noticed now um, in our new season that we're recording. I want to sop this performance up with a biscuit. Because, like, 
it's just the comedy, the, everything on the comedy aspect is gold. And that's my biggest thing. So hell yeah, Olivia Coleman. I was going to say, um, so what I think she also has going for her is the favorite is simply a better movie than The Wife. Mm. No argument there. Right. So as much as we like to say that we only make our decisions based on the performance alone, um, it's hard to deny that the film itself does have an influence. And The Favorite is leaps and bounds a better film than The Wife. Uh, Olivia Coleman also, I think, gets more opportunities to display a wide range of emotions and express all kinds of things. Whereas Glenn Close's performance is a little more introspective and in an internal slow burn until her eventual outburst in the final act. So I think Olivia Coleman is putting on more of a show, if you will, throughout. So I think it was easier for a lot of viewers to gravitate toward a performance like that, all things considered. I love it. I love it. And Mike, you just got pwned. I'm getting, I'm just, I'm wearing a sad face. I'm just sitting here slumped. <laughs> so to talk about the race for a second, because last year's race was, was memorable in the sense that we had the big moment for close at the, at the Golden Globes where she had that shocked face. And uh, then we had her, you know, bringing her doggy to the indie spirits. But in between there, we had some charming best actress speeches by Close a couple times. And, of course, by Olivia Coleman. How did you guys feel they ran their races? Because it really was back and forth throughout the award season. Uh, Brandon, go ahead and take that one first because mine's going to take a little longer, I feel. <laughs> so it didn't uh, surprise me necessarily all the precursors leading up to it it made sense why coleman would say take the bafta and Col and close the globe um close also you know had the whole career thing going for her and the whole overdue factor which we get into a lot on our show um so the precursors didn't necessarily surprise me what did surprise me a little bit was close taking the indie spirit i didn't think she would get that one i had I and a lot of people thought that it was going to go to Tony Collette because it seemed like if she was going to win anywhere, Tony Collette that is, it was going to be at the Indie Spirits. So when Glenn Close took uh, the Spirit, uh, I think it threw a lot of folks for a loop, and it looked predetermined that she was going to eventually win the Oscar. So on Oscar night, I will say I was a little bit surprised. Um, I wasn't exactly shocked that Coleman proved triumphant, but um, it's not what I expected to happen. Yeah, um, I, I wanted to kind of start mine off with this. Despite me loving Coleman's win here and being 100% behind it, my best actress of last year, and I feel a lot of people can agree with this, was Toni Collette for Hereditary. So no matter who won this year, we yeah. all know Toni Collette was the best actress of last year. I'm gonna That start all four of us can agree on. Yeah. However, I did put Coleman up above Collette late, didn't I? I'm pretty sure I did. How many battles am I going to fight here today, Mike? Well, just, i, I got to be honest. You, you're, you're talking for me there. And, and no, I didn't. I went with Coleman at the end of the day. Okay, but fair fair to say, if it wasn't Coleman, if it wasn't close, everyone would have said Colette then. Okay. Yes. Fair. So my big thing is, now, anyone who, is, anyone who follows us on Twitter, or, like, it's kind of just become, like, a running joke at this point. I actually got some flack for it the other day, and I was like, like, any, any, if you follow us on Twitter, stop taking anything I say seriously. Like, honestly. <laughs> like, if you are that upset over something that I tweet, you need to, like, really look at yourself and figure out what your internal issues are, because I don't even take myself seriously. So just, like, have fun with it. So <laughs> I, I had posted something about Glenn Close and someone was like, great, here we go again. And I'm like, listen, it's all fun and games. Now, I do have this thing where I think Glenn Close really should only have two Oscar nominations 
and one possible win. That is The World According to Garp and Dangerous Liaisons. The rest of her nominations, I don't think are great. Um, and Dangerous Liaisons, I can't even give her the win there because Sigourney Weaver is there for Gorillas in the Mist. Um, mm-hmm. With that said, getting the screener of The Wife last year, I kind of just like ignored it because I was like, here we go, going close. I did watch it, and I did uh, eventually say, you know what? If she's going to win here, I could see this winning. Like, sure, it's fine. Like, whatever. What pisses me off is this it's about time narrative. And this is the whole campaign that was ran. It, it was kind of run and pissed me off in the same vein of DiCaprio in The Revenant. Like, no. Sorry you ate a, some bison and got kicked in the balls by a horse, DiCaprio. That doesn't mean <laughs> that you get an Oscar. And here we are with Close in that same aspect of, well, it's my turn. These speeches are great. Like, we take... When something like that happens, it takes away the 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 hard work that the other actors put into because then it becomes political, and that's what I have the issue with. It's not so much because it's gone close; it's so much that you're literally taking away all the efforts put into everyone else around you, and you're running this whole game on. Well, it's about time. No, go fuck yourself. But what if she's from our home state and she also <laughs> does a lot of charity? <laughs> I mean, to make an argument for Mike now. <laughs> I mean, listen, I've donated a donated a shit. Where's my Oscar then? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I mean you hit on something, sure, and that's kind of part of the the evil side of the business. Mike and I always study because we're studying the academy year round, and part of that is it's always political, right? I mean, mm-hmm. Leo, you're probably hitting on something close to true, if not exactly true, that the whole it's your time thing is why Leo won for The Revenant, because it was kind of a default choice. And now it's also because he won then, and it's so soon, it's impossible for him to win his second one this year. There are so many people saying that he's not even in serious contention for his performance. That may be the best of his career. I know you're also down on Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but I just want, I mean, we thoroughly enjoyed that performance. Do we also think that Glenn Close took it literally at the end of the day because she dressed up as the Oscar Trophy at the Academy Awards. You're hitting on my next question for the Queens here. So <laughs> did you guys at least feel bad <laughs> that this woman, it, she did win kind of kind of an upset or two along the way, and it did, uh, much like Brandon was saying, it did set the stage. It seemed like it was going to be her night and it was going to be this crowning culmination because, like Joey just said, that she did have the narrative on her side. If nothing else, the narrative of it's finally her time could have, I thought, was going to be used as a tiebreaker between mm-hmm. her and Gaga or her and Colette. So, I mean, were you at least, did you feel bad? I know you said you weren't shocked, Brandon, but did you at least feel bad when you saw Glenn Close have to grin and bear it there when Olivia Coleman's name was called? To be honest, yeah, a little bit. Um, I feel as though she really thought she was going to get it, and there were a lot of factors um, leading her to believe that she was going to get it, and it made perfect sense why she would. And I can definitely see why she would be um, taken aback. And yeah, she definitely put her heart and soul into this performance and this campaign, and she seemed ready to take it. And so, yeah, when she did lose and we got the uh, the clip of her uh, little nod, accepting that once again she had been defeated, um, I, oh. I did feel a little bad for her. I'm about to start tearing up just hearing you describe it. What do you? All right, Joey, you're, you seem to have the colder heart of the two. Brandon's speaking like an actual human being. Are you going to go robot on this and say you didn't feel bad for Miss Close? No, fuck her. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, here's why. Listen. 
I always make the joke and that she is known to me as the dollar store Jessica Lang. It's oh, like that's how God, I God man. Seriously. She's not she's she's really not that great of an actress, if we're being honest. Oh. Now the thing about that is though, and here's what is so funny about this. If you go back to her Golden Globe win in the mid two thousands for the TV remake of Lion in Winter, she literally accepts the Golden Globe in a category that she's not even with with Meryl Streep. And goes, Meryl, is it okay? Can I have this? Like, real snotty. And I'm like, first of all, fuck you. <laughs> Second of all, they share the same agent at CAA, Kevin Uvain. And every time that Meryl, like, I shouldn't even say every time. In 2011, when Meryl won for the Iron Lady, she's wearing gold. And Kevin Uvain is sitting next to her because we all knew that she wasn't winning for Albert Knobs. And then all of a sudden, mm-hmm. she's like, okay, she's already said the snotty thing to Meryl. Meryl won the gold wearing gold. So what is Glenn Close to? She shows up wearing fucking gold, like Meryl Streep, and having Kevin Huvane sit next to her. Like, it's she's trying to imitate people she can never try and, or she can never be. And it drives me insane. All right. Wait. Let me, let me ask you then, as I put my conspiracy theory hat and the tea leaves are becoming a little clearer why your hatred for this performance is shining through, how much of this is merit-based and you actually dislike the performance versus how much of this is you standing up and defending Meryl Streep? No, if we're talking about the, the wife, like I just said a few minutes ago, actually watching the screener, if she had won based off of the performance, I would have been okay with it. Was it my favorite? No, but by no means is it her worst performance. Oh, fatal attraction. So if we are if we are going off of just merit and the performance, sure, fine. It would have been one of those wins and whatever. I know I'm getting a little ahead of myself that I would have looked at like Laura Dern this year winning and been like, whatever, at least she's got one. That would have been Glenn Close. However, when you base your whole entire campaign off of it's your time, get fucked. <laughs> that is my issue with her. And people just want to award people because it's quote-unquote their time. No! It's about the performance and not the politics. Irregardless of, of what race we're talking about, that is always going to be hanging over the Academy. And that's why I think, you know, this widening and diversifying of the Academy, regardless of whether we're talking about this race or any other, mm-hmm. is only going to be a good thing because hopefully it does push those political agendas. It won't totally push them aside, but hopefully it at least pushes it further down the priority list for voting. Yeah. There's definitely an Annette Benning race coming up in the next yeah. five years of our podcast that'll uh, shake this out again. But I'm so sorry. I don't mean to cut you off. I, I we, we, we had a, we had a guest on because you brought up Annette Benning. We had a guest on in our second season. He's an actor friend of mine by the name of Craig Jordan. He loves Sigourney Weaver. And so I remember talking to him one day and I'm like, watch, there's going to be a year where it's Annette Benning, Sigourney Weaver, uh, Michelle Williams, uh, Glenn Close and Meryl Streep and Meryl Streep fucking wins again leaving all these bitches without an Oscar and I'm going to laugh so hard that's evil oh, man. you're an evil man but I love it the apocalypse. I love it I love it so much you guys have done the 70s the 80s the 90s uh, you've done seasons on each I'm curious does the Close Coleman race remind you of any race in the past hmm it reminds me, honestly, of Binoche winning over um, uh, what's her face for the mirror has two faces. Um, oh, Lauren Bacall. Lauren Bacall, yeah. In what way? What's the similarities? Well, in the fact that Lauren Bacall kind of quote unquote swept everything was expected to win, and Binoche won. Grant Coleman did have a few precursor wins, but 
everyone going into this race that night on Oscar night, especially Dame Close herself, dressing as the Oscar, expected her to so whatever i mean that's kind of what it reminds me of what about the uh relation or similarity i guess we'll pivot and start talking about this year's best actress race uh and kind of looking forward here are there any similarities any kind of crossover i know it's it's kind of hard to go apples to apples with how rare and the kind of mixture of you have this legacy pick and glenn close even though you hate the narrative going against this kind of first time movie star and lady gaga going against this holy british performance in that the, the even the film swept the baftas so pretty much so i know it's kind of tough to go apples to apples but i i brandon let's start with you are there any kind of similarities you can hone in on between last year's race and what's going on with the best actress category this year well this year there doesn't seem to be anyone who's who has the overdue factor going into it theron and zellweger both already have oscars um i guess you could say uh cynthia erivo being a relative newcomer to the Oscars and Hollywood might have um, some Coleman crossovers, but I, that's a stretch even, I think. So right now, I don't really see too many uh, cut and dry similarities. I think I agree with you. What about you, Joey? Um, honestly, I, I got to agree. If this was like Ronin's year with me having her fourth Oscar nomination and going into this as not a winner... If, there, if if Zellweger wasn't there, I'm pretty sure that narrative could happen in that case. But I, there's not, no, there's nothing going on right now. So I did some research on recent history and looking at this year's race where Renee Zellweger wins the Critics' Choice, he wins the Golden Globe drama, and the Golden Globe comedy or musical winner, Aquafina does not get nominated. So we're looking at right now you have to go all the way back to 1995 when Sharon Stone and Nicole Kidman for Casino and To Die For won the choice and and the Globes. Uh, and then Susan Sarandon kind of takes over with SAG and Oscar. So I know, I know you guys have studied all different kinds of races, okay? We've had Globe comedy or musical winners kind of take over earlier in the past. But does this look and feel like a complete sweep to you with Renee Zellweger? I'm not entirely certain. Um, you're, you're, by sweep, you mean uh, racking up all the precursors on the way to the Oscar? Well, I guess she's the early front runner, right? I mean, she took the, the Critics' Choice, she took the Globe drama, and there's no room for a Globe comedy or musical winner to take over. She's the betting favorite for the BAFTA, too, currently. Because we had Ch Jessica Chastain in 2012, you know, take the early lead, and then we had Jennifer Lawrence also have the Globe comedy or musical, and then she wound, winds up winning it. That's happened a few times before, but we never had... I mean, the Critics' Choice only goes back to 95. We've never had someone really take a, a firm lead and then fall off the map and somebody else win. Hmm. See, my, my issue with this, and I talk about this a lot, is category fraud on, on our show. Hmm. So... I don't even know if this is like a point to bring up, but I'm going to do it. Aquafina won for a drama in a, or won for a comedy in a drama. And yeah. Renee Zellweger won for a musical in the drama category. So in a way it's kind of happening, but they were just in the wrong category. So I don't, I don't know really. I mean, the, we, we I've been interviewing friends who are SAG members and a lot of the votes right now that I've received that we've shared 
on our anonymous um, SAG ballots that I've been getting is Nyong'o versus Theron. That, those, yeah. those are the big two. Well, Nyong'o's out, unfortunately, and that leaves Theron. If anyone's going to upset, I honestly see Theron doing it. Theron does have the narrative for the also the Oscar comeback in a way, even though she's been steadily working. Um, this is her first in what, like, 14 15 years? years? Yeah. Yeah, something like that, yeah. 15, so, 16, I mean, maybe. I think if anyone has the best chance to upset here it, it, and pull a Susan Sarandon, it's going to be Theron. And the SAGs have gone for Oscar snubs on several occasions to recent snubs. I mean, uh, Emily Blunt, Idris Elba, you know, that, that tends to happen. So if Lupita takes a SAG, that doesn't really help anybody else. But does that it helps my case being pissed that she wasn't nominated? I wonder if it opens up a window for somebody else to at least show that Zellweger's vulnerable. Do you think anything wonky happens with SAG and BAFTA going forward? Um, outside of the actress category, because I feel like everything else is pretty much locked, unless Antonio Banderas comes out of nowhere at the Oscars. Mm. Um, I, uh, I, yeah, I think Theron could take it at SAG and, or Nyong'o. And then the BAFTA, I don't mean, I don't know. BAFTA is all over the place, I feel, all the time. Like, we just recorded, what was it, 2001, and it was brought up to our attention that the year Jennifer Connelly, or, uh, uh, won the BAFTA. She was up against four British actresses. And for an American to take that is very rare. So, I mean, anything can yeah. happen with BAFTA. Mm-hmm. So, gotta ask you, what did you think of Renee Zellweger's performance this year? I mean, you guys have been analyzing all these Oscar-winning and Oscar-nominated performances uh, through the decades. Do you think it stacks up as that undeniable winner, as as just a top-tier one kind of performance? Or is it is it on the back burner for you? It's not top tier for me. Um, mm. I was over it pretty quick, to be honest. Um, it felt very Oscar Beatty to me. Oh, God, I'm so glad to hear you say that. And um, I just really wasn't fascinated by her performance whatsoever. And I can't help but think that she was uh, preordained as the frontrunner before anyone had even seen the movie. Like, Renee Zellweger makes this comeback, and she's playing Judy Garland. How much more of an iconic Hollywood legend can you get? And it just seemed like the perfect comeback story for someone like Renee Zellweger to play someone like Judy Garland. And her performance isn't bad, I would say. I just didn't find it um, all that merit-worthy. It just felt very okay and safe to me in a pretty mediocre film, if I'm to be perfectly honest. I didn't find the film interesting whatsoever. It felt like very TV movie of the week to me. Yeah, Joey, I want to get your thoughts on that too, but but just expounding on what, what you just said, Brandon, I've heard that from enough people, and Mike and I share your sentiments when we reviewed it. That's kind of pretty much what we what we said for the most part. We said the performance was yeah. the best part of the movie, but the movie was, and the performance felt Oscar baity. I did just rewatch it. It has some real highs to it. All right, I, I'll be I, honest. That's highs fine. And lows. I'm yeah. fine with that, but yeah. it's still, you know. So why is she the default pick right now? Why is she the leader in all these things? Why is I mean, there's other performances in this category. Maybe they're not all timers, but I would think they at least stack up. Why do you think she's kind of, Renee Zellweger is kind of like just the default choice for everyone, Brandon? I think she was made the front runner early on before anyone had seen it, and she's not bad enough in the movie for anyone to take that status away from her. I think she's okay enough to maintain that status until this whole season's over and someone beats her. 
All right, you share that sentiment, Joey, or what are your thoughts on the performance overall? Well, here's the thing, and correct me if I'm wrong, and I don't even know if anyone's ever brought this up. I can't even think about it right now on, on Twitter if I've seen this. I think the reason and her narrative going into this is because Judy Garland never won an Oscar. So here's a chance to give Judy an Oscar in the form of Renee Zellweger. Ah. Right. So, yeah, Liza Minnelli won one that she shouldn't have even won in Cabaret. Right. But I think this is like that opportunity. I don't think, first of all, the movie was bad. I mean, it really wasn't great. And this, it's okay. I mean, it's it's nothing, I'm not hating it, but is this another darkest hour where the makeup is doing the job? Or is it the acting that we're really rewarding here? That's where I'm at. I'm wondering if Liza Minnelli is the only hope to, to take her down at this point. Well, I was going to bring that up. Yeah, she said in a Vanity Fair article, uh, I do not approve nor sanction the upcoming film about Judy Garland in any way. Any reports to the contrary are 100% fiction. Does she get loud and, and maybe this this narrative becomes a little bit toxic? I mean... I don't think anybody really dislikes Renee Zellweger or the way she's been playing it throughout the campaign. I here. would argue the opposite. I think the Academy yeah, endorses her. Of course, and they should. I mean, she's she's a sweetheart yeah. uh, th- throughout her career, really. Even though, and, and this narrative makes it all, all the all the stronger with uh, with the comeback. So, d- does it is it going to take something like Liza Minnelli getting loud? What do you guys think? Well, the thing is, is that if Liza Minnelli was going to get loud, she would have done it by now. Um, I actually just tweeted this the other day, too. As I was like, does anyone else remember when Dreamgirls came out and Diana Ross did an anti-Beyonce campaign to not have her get the Oscar? I'm like, where the fuck is Liza Minnelli to do this? And what kills me is that, okay, for an example, my pick this year was 100% Jennifer Lopez in the supporting category, but obviously she's not there right now. And with her being out and Nyong'o not there... I'm like, why the bombshell ladies aren't sweeping is beyond me. This is some of their best work they've ever done. So where I don't get what's driving the Zellweger bullshit, to be honest. I wonder, too, if if conflict even plays anymore with these people coming out and speaking against the real their, their personas portrayed. Because, I mean, Green Book last year, you know, we had the, the Dr. Shirley family saying how wrong the portrayal was. And it just didn't matter. The right, the backlash doesn't yeah. matter anymore. Yeah. All right, let's let's transition here. I mean, you 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 touched on Lupita just now, Joey. And I want to hear from you guys. Uh, we're gonna try to start wrapping up before we have you guys kind of rank what you think these this order should be or how you saw these performances. Do you have any snubs? Do you guys have anyone any kind of performance that you thought is worthy of more merit, but just kind of never made any much noise in the uh, award season run up here? To mention someone we haven't brought up yet, I would say Alfrey Woodard and clemency Mm -hmm. deserve to be in this category uh she does some of the best work of her career in this film in a leading role which she does not get often enough alfrey woodard deserves way more than what hollywood has given her and she puts so many of her talents on display and clemency she does so much without even moving a facial muscle it's ridiculous and i think she was robbed by not even being in consideration frankly I think the the release date, it's another thing that came out way too late. And I think when things come out that late in the year, it just hurts them more than it helps them, especially in the acting ones. What do you say, Joey? Um, I would definitely say, without a doubt, um, Alfie Woodard for sure. Um, I would also say Mary Kay Place in Diane. Yes. And I, I'm, I'm kind of taking a page here from the indies, but uh, uh, Hong Chow in Driveways, there was no way she was getting a nomination there, but she is fantastic in that film. And then, yeah, Lupita Nyong'o for sure. So, got to ask you to lead us out here. Who do you guys have atop your best actress board? Or you give us a top three. Uh, who, do, who do you have in the, in the lead for you? 
For lead okay. actress, I'd probably go uh, Lapita Nyong'o, Alfre Woodard, and Mary Kay Place. I'd go with three women who weren't even nominated, to be honest. <laughs> That's Love awesome. It. Love it. That's awesome. <laughs> um, I would say Woodard, uh, Place, and Nyong'o. But I'll just I'll give you a little bonus here. And uh, sorry if it's a spoiler for ours. Um, but if I'm going off of the ones that were actually nominated right now, it would be Zellweger, Ronin. Um, I can't even think of the other the other two that aren't Theron. Erivo. <laughs> the other two the... that aren't Theron, and then Theron. Erivo and Johansson. Oh yeah. yeah oh yeah. You. Oh no no. So wait. Let me do that. Let me redo that. Johansson, Zellweger, Ronin, Erivo, Theron. Good man. Good band. Good band. Yeah. Fair enough. We appreciate the extra effort there. Guys, this uh, <laughs> this ended in less violence than I thought it would, so that's pleasing to me. <laughs> we can't thank you guys enough. We'll have to do this again sometime. Thank you very much for giving us your insight and your expertise, and uh, be sure to go check out the Academy Queens. Guys, thanks a lot. Thank you so much. Thank you for having us. Cannot thank the Academy Queens enough. Big thanks to Brandon and Joey of Academy Queens. The podcast, you can find their show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, and just about wherever you may listen to podcasts. And we'll give you our their we'll give you all their socials and their where we'll give you all their socials and where you can find them on these internets at the end of this episode, Michael. But now we're going to break this category down ourselves and transition into the traditional category review format. Who are the snubs? We're gonna leave. Lapita! Lupita Nyong'o, <laughs> someone we've just talked about. Uh, I was really glad to see them reference Alfre Woodard, yeah. uh, Mary Kay Place. Have you seen Diane yet? Damn you! I have not. I can't <sighs> find it. I gotta. I just gotta get it. On. It was on VOD very quick, and it disappeared very quickly. I will give you that. It was a- Amazon. I think I gotta. Go okay, maybe it's there. Yeah. But I, I haven't seen Clemency either. So those are two. I haven't seen Clemency either. But I, Clemency is one of those things yeah. that. I don't feel like a lot of people saw it, yeah. but everybody that's seen it says it's worthy of consideration. It's worthy of being seen, which is what we thought it would be just previewing it the number of times we did. And yet again, the bad release date, limited exposure, obviously being seen matters to this Academy. It got lost in the shuffle yeah. and that's very unfortunate. And we saw it losing momentum pretty early. So we didn't have a priority for it. Plus it's about some tough subject matter, but yeah. you know, we should be grown-ups and go see it like our uh, like our uh, colleagues there. I don't want to grow up, Michael. I just want to be a Toys R Us kid. <laughs> Lupita Nyong'o. They're bankrupt. Lupita Nyong'o is a huge snub That's what you get for having a kid a CEO, I guess. Yeah, Lupita Nyong'o is our number one snub, obviously. And not only that, she's probably, you know, she doesn't rise to the level of Tony Collette for me, as Tony Collette not was quite. last year. You heard us just talk about her. But she's up there, and she's kind of the pillar of... What the hell is it going to take for horror performances to get noticed by the Academy? Top five all-time yeah. best horror actress, uh, in my opinion. Maybe top three. She's awesome. She was awesome in that. I just rewatched Us recently, and it's absurd that that doesn't get more consideration. I'm glad absurd. the SAGs at least recognized her. All right, so let's go back and forth. I have Jessie Buckley from Wild Rose. She's going to you know rank very highly for me. Uh, Florence Pugh, another horror performance. Yeah. I, you know, I'm not top five-ish with her. I know some people out there in film Twitter are, but she was great in Midsommar. Elizabeth Moss, Her Smell, Julianne Moore, Gloria Bell. Didn't mean to rhyme there, but it just happened. I like that. You're a poet and you weren't aware of that fact about yourself. Anna de Armas, Knives Out. She did get the Golden Globes nomination. That was nice to see. I thought she might sneak into this Academy conversation. It wasn't to be. 
Aquafina, the farewell, of yeah, course. Yeah, the Indie Spirits, I think, did her in for a lot of people. That hurt. That did, really hurt. Honor Swinton Byrne, Penelope Cruz, Souvenir, everybody knows. Sienna Miller was awesome in American Woman, I thought. Jodie Turner-Smith, Queen and Slim. Jodie Turner-Smith might be one of those to keep an eye on in the future, though. Yeah, I do I do agree. Emma Thompson from Late Night. Uh, Kate Blanchett, where'd you go? Bernadette, say what you will about the movie. She did get the nomination for the Golden Globe. Beanie Feldstein. You could probably even put Caitlin Dever in there, even though I think she was supporting, but right. you could talk talk about either book smart lead there couple sentimental favorites from us i loved ellie fanning and teen spirit i thought she did a great job with the, the with the singing and the the acting all the things she was great <laughs> i like younger actors and actresses I, I don't think they get looked at as closely they don't by the academy quite and frankly talk about actors who don't get looked at well enough and it's, it's comedians and mm-hmm. joey was all over that maya erskine from plus one you were very high on that movie. It looked very funny. I have to watch that. She's funny. We previewed that. It looked hilarious. Samara Weaving, obviously another sentimental favorite. Maybe a, a big breakout for her, if nothing else. Bigger things to come, hopefully, in her career from Ready or Not. Octavia Spencer, talking about horror roles and maybe actresses that you don't think would go horror. Ma was kind of polarizing. It was up and down, but she put forth a great horror performance. Great year for horror yeah. movie performances. I think that's four in our in our tops yeah, here. I think that might be. Four yeah, 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 four. You nailed it. Finally, Constance Wu from the just criminally underappreciated hustle. The Academy snubbing their nose at certain content based films. I mean, it's ridiculous. Hustlers Hustlers deserves to be recognized. All right, let's go through. We're going to go through all five nominees that the Academy uh, was gracious enough to give us to be considered for the lead actress category. We will be going through them individually and give you reasons why each woman will win on Academy Sunday. And then conversely also why each woman will not go home with Academy gold. It's a little difficult this year. This is a weird year. We kind of talked with the Academy Queens after we hung up the interview portion it seems like these four acting races are sewn up already unless something radical happens in the near future. Well, we're going to describe those radical yeah. near future events right now <laughs> because we're making these arguments, damn it. I like it. Cynthia Revo, Mike, why will she win? Convince me. She won't. No, she, she's playing a <laughs> biopic of an American hero and she's a gorgeous leading lady mm. that quote unquote went ugly she's wearing the 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 big dresses she's wearing some dirt she's wearing some walking through swamps and running through forests she's doing the physical stuff and there's a history in the lead categories when the most beautiful people on earth Mm -hmm. go ugly and they put forth a great performance and she puts forth i don't know if i would call it great it's a very good performance and it's certainly the highlight of that film those performances get nomination and get wins her talent is undeniable, and you're absolutely right. Bad times at the El Royale. She's the best part of that movie. Widows. Widows. She's great. She kind of saves the movie yeah. both in a you know literal way and a figurative way. Being physical that in that too. Uh, I've loved her last few years, but look, let's be honest. When she took to the red carpet at the BAFTAs last year, you, you and I dress like the dude most of the time. <laughs> As I twirl my beard. Yeah. <laughs> You are twirling your beard right now. We dress like the dude in pajama pants and just really ragged. You're just describing what I'm looking, what you're looking at right now in me. Not blinking. But Mike, her bath dress made us, a couple of schlubs, just... Take notice of fashion. Dropped our jaws, take notice of fashion, just be like... I can't wait to see what she wears at this year's Oscars. So she's got that kind of star power. Does that mean she's going to win this award? Well, here's some stats for you. Go for it. The further you go back with BAFTA, 
the less crossover we get. And that is the big hole on a resume right now. Because, look, the Sags could come in, BAFTA could come in differently, and we could be talking about Renee Zellweger as being vulnerable on the day. So the previous decade, 6 out of 10. After going 8 out of 10 the last decade, 4 out of 10 before that, 2 out of 10 before that, which makes BAFTA 20 out of the last 40 in terms of winners crossing over with the Oscars. And yet, Mike, you can make the case that all you really need is a precursor to win in the Mm -hmm. Best Actress Mm -hmm. race. You only need, really, a BAFTA nom or a SAG, essentially. She's got the SAG, if nothing else. She got the the Critics' Choice. She got the Golden Globe as well. So she's got as good of a precursor resume, even though she doesn't have that big win. She's got as good as a precursor resume as anyone else in this category. And her movie was liked by audiences. I mean, an A-plus cinema score. Mm -hmm. That's higher than Little Woman's A-. minus. A 97 audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. That's higher than Bombshell's 84, Little Woman's 92, Marriage Story's 84, or Judy's 85. Here's another stat, because she may not have the quote-unquote big win right here, but one of our favorite award shows out there in the way into the weeds and the precursors, because it's not as well-known as it should be yet. The Women's Film Critics Circle Awards. Love that award show. Picked her as their winner, and in the last eight years, Mike, they've picked five Oscar winners. Now, the caveat is they've picked supporting actress or actor winners, to be fair, two supporting actresses there. But five out of eight, that's a good track record, so you never know. That's 62.5%, Michael. I have a gambling problem. <laughs> you rationalize it. I can, I can wrap this up with one more serious one, talking about the flow yeah. of the show of the Oscars. Mm-hmm. Tell me the nominee... That's more the leader in the clubhouse for nominee most likely to have her name switched into the envelope if she doesn't win the vote originally, because otherwise she could hijack the entire show and just refuse to sing when she's scheduled to. Oh. <laughs> you can see Price Waterhouse accountants just slipping Arivo's name into the envelope because we don't want to rock the boat. We need all these original songs performed. That's a great original song. There you song. go. Well, she probably yes, should win at the end of the day, right? On merit, yes. On, on merit, yeah. the actual song. I mean, I know we've, we haven't gotten into original song yet, but that's a damn good one. Agree with you. All right, Mike, why is Cynthia Arivo going to lose Oscar Sunday? BAFTA winners have won six in a row, and Arivo missed here. They've won eight out of the last ten, like I said earlier. Yeah. Uh, that's a good stat. That is sad. Look, Harriet, it's not a great film, and mm-hmm. probably out of these five as well. You don't like tying into the, the movie with the performance, but like Brandon from the Academy Queens just mentioned, we all do it, and yeah. I'm sure the Academy does as well, and Harriet as a movie out of these five arguably has the lowest lows. It, probably if it's not Judy, it's Harriet. So Scott Feinberg just uh, commented on the Adnan Verk uh, Cinephile podcast there that the Academy doesn't watch all these movies. Absolutely he, not. He reminded me of this fact. Many of the Academy members are still working in the business, and they're working on the reg, right? So they're watching a dozen movies, 20 if you're lucky. Is Harriet one of those 20 screeners that they pop in? 20 premieres that they get to go to. So I wonder if this movie does get watched enough it may not, especially with the critics' numbers. Audiences didn't really show up to see it. Only made $42 million worldwide yeah, at the yeah. box office. And look, speaking statistically and talking about her glowing resume, despite all these precursor nominations she did land, she was no sure bet to make this Oscars field, sure. right? So she was probably either the fourth or fifth name in. Says us at the moment, because yeah. we can't really see it for, for, for its truth. But the fact that she didn't get BAFTA makes us think as much... If she does not win SAG, 
there's little way forward here based on the stats. I mean, just look. I look back through the, like the 1980s today, and you can listen to the Academy of Queens and look back through the 1970s if you guys want. But based on the 80s, 90s, and 2000s, she's got to win SAG, and she's got to get something on her resume soon. Certainly not the betting favorite, but according to my bookie, at least not right now. We can move on. We'll talk about ScarJo, at one time probably the favorite for this category earlier this year, but let's talk about why Scarlett Johansson will win the Academy Award for Best Actress. She was the favorite in the Also Mike. I wish she was Mrs. Also Mike Award. Okay. Right. Why Johansson The more coveted, will... some would say. <laughs> Why Johansson will win for me. I'm very high on this performance. I do think actors will relate to it in many ways. I think she's show folk, and I think show folk like voting for show folk. I think she's loving L.A. I love L.A. She's, that's the, basically the whole movie. Brandon and Newman. wanting to live there as a character is also brownie points. My God, did they bring Randy Newman in do that score just because of that song? Oh, they, why didn't he do like a, a operatic version of it? She's performing monologues for Laura Dern in this film, Mike. I just think this is an actor's acting performance. I mean, I really think that the acting branch loves this performance. I think she could rock the boat at SAG. And these actors and all these branches can easily rewatch this movie. And they can compare Judy and they compare this film. It's nominated in all these other huge categories. So if they're going to rewatch something, they probably want to rewatch Marriage Story. Yeah, Netflix obviously very available, certainly more so than getting your hands on a copy of Judy. ScarJo, quite frankly, at least reading the tea leaves to me, looks like the biggest threat to pull off an upset and has been since the first reviews of marriage story started coming in mm -hmm. we think this category might be open and shut with zellweger but if it's not scarjo's the most likely one to rock the boat i would say and that's funny because i also used the phrase rock the boat in my notes as you did in yours independent of one another uh if she's close as well I know we just talked a lot about narratives and polit politicking the, the Academy, but there is that narrative there. It's easier to vote for ScarJo in a tie-breaking scenario to win her first than it would be to give Renee Zellweger or Charlize Theron their second. And we're going to talk about it with Ronan, too. I mean, she's got an illustrious mm -hmm. career. She's been knocking on the door for years. She did win 2004's BAFTA Award for Lost in Translation, so the British Academy does really like her. I do think SAG really likes her by the fact that they gave her two nominations and they really cinched that likelihood of her getting for JoJo and her getting for Marriage Story at the Academy Awards. So I, I do think she's well-liked. And this could be her year because she's had a lot of years building up to this one. She has paid her dues. Or in she's sense. already yep. done that. Uh, I agree with that. And I also wanted to make an argument outside any kind of merit-based argument. There's a chance the Academy values the strife of original characters over the portrayals of historical figures for some reason, at least, in the lead actress category. As much as we like to think by Biopics give a leg up in Academy consideration historically. Mm -hmm. There's evidence to the contrary for whatever reason in the lead actress category, as last year's win by Olivia Coleman for portraying Anne, Queen of Great Britain, that was the first win in Best Actress for an actress playing a historical figure since Meryl won for her Margaret Thatcher performance in 2011. So six straight years. Hmm. 2019 is one of only six years since 2000 hmm. where the majority of nominees in the category, in fact, are made up of historical figures. So for whatever reason, just the way the Academy's been in the 2000s, we trend 
towards these original characters and voting for them as winners more so than we do the historical biopics, which is not at all what I would have thought going into this. She's got that Sondheim song at the end, too, mm. Mike. That might be irresistible. For yeah, folks. could be. Show could folk. Be. Very. All right, why will Johansson not win? Can I put it that way? That's a terrible grammar, but go ahead. Uh, because it's 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 a Broadway performance. <laughs> Look, I mean, merit-based, that's, that's the first thing I thought of, and that's the first thing I'm going to kind of attach to. I know there's a lot of people that are big fans of that, but there's a reason she's... I am one of those people. There's a reason she's not far and away the default number one, right? And the, that reason may be, if we talk about why Renee Zellweger's the default number one, even though everyone's kind of meh, I guess I'll give it to Renee, it seems. Hmm. There's a reason that narrative and that mindset is so prevalent with this category, isn't there? Yeah, there's a reason. But we have two young top contenders in this category, I think. I think Sir Ronan and Scarlett Johansson deliver really strong performances. I really do. And if you're saying it's theatrical, I would agree with you. There's a lot of long takes. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of big, loud performances around her character. And you're wondering who's the better performance in the room, never mind in the film. So she's got a lot of work to do in this story as well as uh, just in this cast. I, ju- I thought it's a great performance. I'm going to I'm gonna push back a little bit there. I, I, I really loved it. I, you you're, know, let, you're much higher on it than I am. Go yes. back and listen to our Marriage Story t- chats because it came in two episodes. And I also reviewed it with Andrew from the Nomcast there. Yeah, it was a great episode. And again, thank you, Andrew, for filling because I was on my deathbed then. But all right, fine. You don't like that argument. How about this one? <laughs> Scarlett Johansson nominated twice. You brought it up on the reason she'll win. Yes, that means she's beloved. Yes, that means she put forth two great performances. It also means she's probably not going to win either one, as the history has suggested right. on that. When you're nominated at the same show for two different performances, generally, especially lately in recent history, when it's happened, you walk away empty-handed. I would agree. I think the the votes cannibalize one another, so that, that that's a good reason. Look, bottom line is, Zellweger is way out front, and this could be a reason for why nobody will win but her because that early front runner, like I just mentioned in the Academy Queen segment, that early front runner never loses or it hasn't lost since 1985 as far back in the stats that I went. Obviously, the Critics' Choice didn't exist much earlier, so consensus couldn't build quite as fast as it's been building recently. Like, Zellweger was a favorite for this award way back in award season. We were going to Judy just looking for reasons to just knock her off the uh, mountaintop there. You're getting dangerously close to some reasons I have why she'll win. I, I'm hoping, <laughs> but no, I, I can't uh, I can't get there yet. I mean, Renee's out to that early lead and it might be commanding. Are we sure as well that everyone's okay with Netflix and everyone's in bed with Netflix and Netflix isn't going to have it held against itself when it has only one nomination in the category? Are we sure the Academy is finally okay with Netflix overall? Honestly, we're not sure, but 10 nominations for The Irishman. They did well. Yeah, certainly no argument there. Both two popes got in despite, you know, excuse me, Kate, <laughs> with the, the actual pope there. I, don't, I, I, th- I think they're okay enough with Netflix to, you know, nominate it, that's for sure. And we've seen Roma win last year. We've seen them win a couple, but you're right. I mean, Idris Elba brutally snubbed a couple years back. And the power of Netflix, the resources it has, and yet it's losing a default pick conversation or default pick race, at least right now, it seems, 
to a much smaller distributor with what Renee Zellweger has behind it. It's just, there's little curiosities like that that make me question. Yes, it seems like the, the Academy has finally gotten over their fear of Netflix, but at the same time, if they have the opportunity to hold Netflix accountable for something or hold Netflix away from something, will they go against that? They might. I, I don't think Netflix releasing their numbers on Marriage Story will help either way because yeah. it, if they release them and they're better than Judy's, right. Like we did, you know, that's not gonna work. And if they don't release them, I don't know. They, they got to show that it was a popular film. I don't know. They're they're screwed. I mean, the memes should tell the story, though, right, Mike? They do already. Yes, she has I... the most memes. She has more memes than Zellweger. Yes. That's our stupid Certainly. argument at the end of this. More memes. It is twenty twenty. We're Oscars experts, Mike Saoirse Ronan. Why is she gonna win this thing? Degree of difficulty. That's probably an argument I'm gonna have for a few of Little Women's entries into the various categories we cover, but. It's it's true. I mean, the Joe Marsh performance that Saoirse Ronan put forth was a layered and complex one. It's wholly different from the portrayals done previously, and that's equal parts surprising and endearing, considering how beloved the Little Women property is not only on screen, but on page as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is a property, this is a character that probably merits more than the one Academy nomination it's gotten in its history, considering that it's been around for decades as it is, and you watch them, you tell me, is this not the most layered and the most flushed out Joe March that we've had on screen? Easily the best Joe March ever, but it's you're right, it's the best written character of Joe March, perhaps since Louisa May Alcott wrote her on... Uh, what it, the papyrus? How long, how long ago? I don't remember history. <laughs> yes, Louisa May Alcott from ancient Egypt. <laughs> Old pages of paper. <laughs> Mike, we have a great performance here that yes. might be my favorite of the year. In any category, I, I think if I had to rank all four categories, this is going to be up there for me. I got to rewatch some more. I'm, I'm in the middle of that, even though I'm glad to, to have been obsessed with this movie yeah. and watched this, I think, four times. I don't Very remember. Very pleasant Three surprise. Three or four times. This was a terrific film that I hope continues to gain momentum after more and more Academy members get to watch it. The movie did get more nominations than expected. It may force the rest of the group who hasn't seen it yet to take notice. I, I think she's paid her dues already as well. She's only 25, Agreed. but she's been nominated three other times for Atonement, Brooklyn, and Lady Bird, so she has been knocking on the door. She needs a win soon. If she's going to get it, it's probably going to happen at BAFTA, would be my guess. I, I would be surprised if SAG comes through for her. Doesn't the Oscars have to give the Joe March character from Little Women a win at some point, like, aren't we due for that before, I, I don't know, the earth blows up, I guess, from global warming or whatever? Because it's been, again, it's it's a property that everyone, it endears itself so easily to everybody that touches it, whether it's on screen or on the page or whatever. It's been around forever, but it's never really gotten the, here's your award for playing this character recognition. That's one of your lamer arguments <laughs> you've ever made, because <laughs> Catherine Hepburn was... <laughs> nominated there that's the worst Catherine Hepburn impersonation that's ever been no I don't think because it's a great character no I, I don't I don't All agree right. there but I, it's a great character so yeah. your point is made here's the easier argument why is sure Saronin not gonna win this thing because, again, she was probably either the fourth or fifth entry into this category, depending yeah. on uh, how you break it down. Uh, and all year long, this has been kind of Renee with ScarJo, maybe some Charlize. 
She probably won't win. I don't have many why she won't, because she probably just won't. But I don't think it matters, because you hit on the most important thing. This is a 25-year-old woman that landed her fourth Academy Award. She just uh, broke the record for the youngest performer ever to have four Academy nominations. It doesn't matter what Saoirse Ronan does in the immediate future. It's only a matter of time before she does hold one of those golden statues, right? We would think so. I have heard other people say, I'm not saying it, but other people have said she's heading into Meryl Streep territory. I'm not going to say it. Well, I mean, why? Yeah. But she's heading, I mean, obviously she's setting records. I know Meryl <laughs> Streep faithful are mad at us immediately for saying that, for even mentioning it, that other people said it. But I'm not going to say it. Well, look, it's an interesting conversation right now as to who the young actress you would bet on going yeah. forward is. It was J-Law in a runaway as of two years ago. True. I don't know that it necessarily is anymore. It's a matter of time with Saoirse Ronan. It is a matter of time. It's probably still too early for probably. her yet. And you're right. She's at best third in line. Yeah. In this situation, she's probably more like fourth or fifth. If everything breaks right, she probably finishes third. And the Academy Queens we're just talking about, Charlize Theron, Mike, mm-hmm. having a, a leg up on the competition. Look, I don't see this, but you got to convince me. Why is Charlize Theron going to win for her role in Bombshell? Honestly, it was the most difficult of the five to come up with reasons for, because I think a lot of her positives are very close to Renee Zellweger's positive, and it seems like Renee Zellweger's the favorite in the category, like we keep talking about. So it's going to be tough to differentiate. Now, look, obviously she has the acting branch behind her because Bombshell was beloved by the acting branch to the point that it had four nominations for its side categories. So that means something. And the acting branch is the biggest branch of the Academy. We all know that, so they're going to have a lot of power. And we just heard from the Academy Queens, from Joey telling us, talking to SAG members, that there's support within the acting branch, or at least in in the SAGs in general for what Charlize Theron's doing in this. So maybe she does come with the upset at the SAG Awards and maybe that does bleed itself into the Academy and maybe she can be that big upset favorite to kind of give Renee Zellweger the biggest run for her money. That's raising the stakes for this weekend. That's for sure. Because you gotta go back a few years, Mike, to see races that were kind of getting locked up early. All four of them in the acting branch getting locked up early. You gotta go back to 2014. uh, The Academy Queen should brought it up to us. Again, in our uh, post-recording conversation there. So this doesn't happen often, and it does get shaken up more often than not, I would say. But that being said, the early frontrunner that really grabs hold tends to grab hold, unless you have another early winner, like somebody from the comedy or musical category, taking over later. Mm. And that can't happen here with Aquafina winning. Because you have the category fraud, like you said. It just does, it's unlikely. Yeah, so you don't have the, the other Globe winner to kind of be a contender here. No. But you do have this very liberal-leaning, this very feminist, progressive story that's going to play well with Academy members. And we know, regardless of how their principles actually are, we know that the Academy likes to at least appear quite liberal, right? It's a great impersonation of, mm. a, of a real life figure that's is still on the news that does matter that does earn brownie points now you would say it's a great impersonation of elizabeth banks doing megan kelly it, it absolutely is that yes but i would say <laughs> that it's great makeup and hairstyle elizabeth banks should accept this award of charlie's wins and see if anyone can notice the difference <laughs> and it's gonna get them an oscar an extra oscar for making her look like elizabeth banks doing an impersonation of <laughs> megan kelly what's wrong with that mike Nothing, nothing. You're <laughs> preaching to the choir there. I don't have many reasons why she should win here. This is my lamest It's tough. I, I agree. I just don't see 
I thought it was a really good performance. To me, it felt a little more like an HBO original movie kind of performance, just with a bigger name and a bigger presence. I'll tell you, I'm higher on it than you are. I just don't. It's tough to find an edge for this one, quite frankly. Other, you got it. This has to be. I just liked it more. It's got to be strictly merit based. It seems there's not mm-hmm. a lot of narratives to attach this one with. And if it was, if it did have that momentum, she would be the front runner right now, and she's not. So again, like you said, a lot comes down to this weekend and what happens with the sags. And if she does pull off the upset, she's going to have at least some momentum. Maybe it'll not be enough to propel her forward. Uh, let's talk about the reasons why Charlize will lose. Mike, what do you have? She's won already, and she doesn't have the comeback narrative that Zellweger has. So I don't think you can just say on merit that this performance is doing more than Renee Zellweger did. I mean, in terms of the mimicry, in terms of the historical figureness. I mean, again, all the narratives are stronger for Zellweger. And we've seen this happen before. Like, there's a just a better musical performance when there's two musical performances in the category. And nobody's going to vote for one over the other. Yeah, Renee seems to have the edge when it comes to pretty much every narrative. And even if you're talking about how difficult it is to win your second award, yeah. uh, Renee has won one, Charlize has won one. Well, Renee has only won a supporting, only in quotes, but only won a supporting actor actress charlie's has her best actress oscar already so if you're going to reward someone the second one if it comes down to the two of them you're probably going to get a lot of people going with renee because again if for nothing else even if it's not narrative driven like you said she's probably doing more she certainly has a bigger emotional range i had a i mean megan kelly's emotional range in bombshell wasn't as big as i thought we would get for that type of story that's not to say i do think charlie's is the better performance i do think personally the merit driven performance edge goes to charlie's but it doesn't seem to be that way in mass you're absolutely right maybe i'm just not noticing the actors actor in this here it's not it's not emotional outburst scenes you're not getting it's a lot of little stuff it has to be real little, but then there, there's little things that bother me throughout yeah. this performance. And I mentioned that in our review. It's just like the same on-screen tone of voice that she gives even in the right. conference rooms. It's almost like, you know, she didn't really get to hear Megan Kelly speak off camera. And she can only do her impersonation of her that was on camera. So to me, it doesn't work at, at the end of the day as an Oscar performance, as a top fiver. She's in, she's like number 12 or something. She's yeah. really just not close for me. I'm I, surprised. I, I mean, that's, you're highlighting the issue with this category overall, frankly. We, you could probably pick apart any of these performances. And I'm going to guess the one with the least holes we both say is Sersha. And that's probably why she's going to be both of our number ones. <laughs> I, I just, it doesn't seem to be that way. And Charlize has quite the mountain because every narrative kind of seems to break for Renee. Okay, so let's talk about Renee for a minute. Obviously, we've already broken it down a little bit already. Why is she going to win this thing, Mike? Because she's been projected as the leader in this category since that first still of her playing Judy Garland went viral last year. Mm-hmm. And there's a recent history of that actually working. I know I talked earlier about Best Actress having this penchant lately for going with original characters over adaptations of historical figures, but each of the past couple of years, we've had one of the lead acting categories going to a person who managed to obtain and maintain buzz after their first still of the role went viral and they produced positive results results. Gary Oldman's Winston Churchill, we all remember that still of him smoking the cigar. I mean, Alex Freddie Mercury last year, remember that fist-pumping still that he had of him on stage? There's an established blueprint now for this working. All you have to do with the performance is make it well enough. 
I think Renee accomplishes that here, and she's the front runner for a reason, and she's been following that blueprint to a T, I think. So we talked about the resume. I mean, that's reason enough right there. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's such an early front runner with a commanding lead that, that it's obvious, and it's obvious by the stats and the Oscar look back at this moment. Can it change? Yes, and I'm sure there's more exceptions if I go back deeper into the archives of the Academy's history to find them. But the sweep seems to be on. I mean, and those are Oscar punditry reasons, Mm -hmm. right? As Judy Garland impersonations go, it's a really good Judy Garland impersonation. She does get the mimicry right. I do think she sings like a Judy Garland that has lost her voice a little bit. And when I finally, like, sat my mom down, I'm like, what do you really think of the performances here? And she, the, the musical performances, that is. And she did say, like, I do think Zellweger's holding back. I do think she's trying to do the late in life Judy Garland because she heard Zellweger sing in Chicago. My mother's heard Zellweger mm, sing point. before. So I didn't necessarily get that out of her when, when we went to see it together. But basically, my mother said she's going to win. <laughs> right? so she's gonna win. <laughs> my dad could beat up your dad. Look, I, I think the best argument for why Renee's going to win has less to do with her performance and more to do with everyone else, and that's just we don't have a serious threat emerging. And it's January 16th as we record this. The Oscars are February 9th, and we don't really have a, well, it's Renee or conversation going on right now. Well, the movie got that second nomination, so you can't even hold that stat against it. You know, that, that true. the low nomination yep. stat, I mean, that, that that's tough to reckon with, but you can't even go there. So, this is the harder part. Why will Renee Zellweger not win? Well, the biggest thing I came up with, and you kind of touched on it for a different nominee already, Cynthia Erivo, starting this off. Are we sure everyone saw this movie? <laughs> like, are, are we sure everyone voting actually saw this performance? Because the film did well enough for the low-budget niche biopic it was, taking in $24 million domestically, nearly $40 million worldwide. But when your biggest competition is the lead actress from one of Netflix's most buzzed-about films of the last year or two, it's not a wild leap in logic to theorize that one performance was seen by far more voters than the other when we know for a fact that as recently as two years ago, not every Academy member was seeing every nominee. Heaven is a traffic jam on the 405 and the Kobe Bryant biopic. And those are the extreme examples. Right. This might be something where people are wowed by the trailer, they're wowed by the stills like you just said, and that has proclaimed her into the frontrunner status. Now that the season gets another month, you know, after the nominations and before the winners are declared, do they go back to this movie, Mike, and do they realize that it's kind of a bummer? Well, the merit of the movie is certainly one argument as to whether or not, I mean, if people go back to it, is it going to lose voters? I'm more concerned with, never mind people going back to it, are people going to get to it the first time? They really didn't when it was in theaters. Judy, like I said, it made about $40 million, but compare that to the box office. I mean, $40 million is better than Glenn Close's The Wife last year. Yeah. But compare that to the box offices of the other women in the category. Bombshell's still in 1,300 theaters, just came out mid-December, and has already done about three-fourths of what Judy did in its whole theatrical run. Little Women, also still in theaters. It's on over 3,000 screens currently, and it's already done over 110 million worldwide. Even Harriet did more domestically than Judy did total. Because Harriet only had 900,000 of its box office come from international screens. Almost 100% of Harriet's 42 million came from American screens. I'm going to piggyback on this argument 
and I'm going to take the Feinbergian approach because if Oscar voters are trying to catch up on movies that they hadn't seen and couldn't really vote for before, or they fraudulently voted for before, right? <laughs> Marriage Story is something you're going to watch more often because it's got more knobs. Little Women, you're going to watch more often. It's Good got point. more knobs. Bombshell's got more knobs. You're not, you have to go back to Judy or Harriet specifically yeah, here. Yeah, good point. Even though the fact that it got two, great. But it's not ten, it's not right. six, like the other two. So they j- may not go back to it, and they may rely on the trailer or the stills or whatever. Instead, I think that actually helps Renee here some somehow. Because if you just watch her performing Judy Garland, you could say, all right, late life Judy Garland, wow. Right, you could just say wow. But if you actually watch the movie, the movie's mostly a bummer. It, it, it's about her, you know, late in life. And it's about her career going down the tubes. And that's not a spoiler. That's the premise of the film. Well, I'll tell you this much. I think what we just talked me out of voting for this movie. So, <laughs> if nothing else, it won't be on our ballots. But let's talk about our ballots, Mike. Let's wrap this up and give our rankings of the five nominees the Academy has given us. Just Again, just as a reminder, if you want our personal top fives of the best actress field, you're going to have to wait until the Mike, Mike, and Oscars award show come Oscars week. That's when we reveal our who should really be nominated in this category rankings. Uh, but as far as these top fives, Mike, I think we're going to have pretty similar orders, except for one glaring difference. Because I'm going to say my number five is Scarlett Johansson. I'm imagining it's not yours. No, she's not my number five. I have Charlize Theron in my number five And that's probably the biggest difference. I imagine we're probably going to come close to flip-flopping those. Again, ScarJo, it's the same reason I've been saying all along. I just think it's Broadway-esque. That's not a bad thing. It's just not special enough for Best Actress, I don't think, and that's my personal opinion. Uh, My number four, Cynthia Erivo. Cynthia Erivo is also my number four. That might be me being against, you know, the movie a little bit as a, as just an Oscar level film. The movie had its flaws. Go back to our review. I thought we were fair with yeah, that. Yeah, I haven't really moved off that either. I, I know I I got to give it the rewatch treatment, but I just right. it is what it is for me at least as of right now. My number three is actually Renee. I know I'm higher with Charlize than you are, but my number three is Renee. My number three is Renee as yeah. well. I do think she's going to wind up being fairly high for me on the year still. I, I came to appreciate it all the more upon rewatch, and the performance does hold up. Does it hold up as a runaway winner? Not in my opinion, but it holds up as a strong performance on the year. And this year, let's be honest, is a little weaker than previous years. That's where I'm at now. I got to see Alfre Woodard. I got to see yeah. Mary Kay Place. No, probably I should have watched him before this episode. But I'll, I'll watch. <laughs> no, I agree with you with your overall statement that this seems like a weaker year for lead actress, and we've said that a couple times already. And it's it's kind of made more dry by the way that the precursors have played themselves out because not only is it kind of a weak year, but it seems like it's already kind of wrapped up for all intents and purposes. I will say the Arrivo versus Zellweger. Both kind of meh movies as far as we were concerned. The performances being the highlights and the best parts. That's an interesting conversation as to far as far as which one does more. But then it's like, well, then why isn't Cynthia Erivo being taken more seriously as a candidate to win this? Why did she seem to barely make the field? And Renee Zellweger is the clear front runner to me. I don't understand they that. They could all be conjectured be. by us here. I mean, she could have been like number two yep, for could. all we know. Absolutely. Because she had a, a real strong resume going in and, and BAFTA. Yep. You're absolutely right. I mean, it could be. It's just yeah. I did just reading the tea leaves as I think they they are. But you're absolutely right. Could be all based in nothing. Speaking of number twos, Mike, you have 
<laughs> Scarlett Johansson. Was that a uh, silent dig? You could just take it however you want. I'm just, you know, I just say things and set you up. I loved Scarlett Johansson's <laughs> performance in that film. I watched it a bunch. Go back to our review. It's, I, I, we don't have to have it, have it out here. Yeah, we flip flopped. I mean, yeah. you you have Scarlett that high. I have Charlize there on that high. I, I think we've done enough explaining as to that. But that leaves both of our number ones with the same one. Sir Sharon, absolutely. Little women, absolutely. Awesome I w- I mean, how great would it be to see her come through on Academy Sunday and actually have her name called? I I would do a, an actual backflip. That would be just outstanding. You'd have to help me. I would fall. I don't have a good enough back to pull that off. I wouldn't be as happy if Renee Zellweger wears a gold dress, though. I mean, if she dresses up as an Oscar, I'm going to feel a little awkward for her. I'll at least be able to feel how everyone else felt last year that didn't want Glenn Close to win it. So I'll be able to revel in that if Saoirse's name's called under those circumstances. So you're saying you will revel in it. That's what you're saying. I'm not a proud man, Mike. <laughs> you and Joey. You're the Joey. Or wait, I was the Joey. We were talking to them before the, we started. Who's, who's which I Academy I queen Joey, on this? But Joey holds grudges like you hold yeah, grudges. Yeah, me, me, and we see films wholly... <laughs> diametrically opposite as well so it's going to be it's going to be an interesting uh, love affair between he and I I think but we want to know your thoughts guys about uh, well, certainly what the Academy Queens had to say about this category what you think we had to say about this category and frankly what is your rankings of what the Academy has what do you think happens what are the narratives that went out and what do you think are the merit bases or the merits that went out in this conversation in this category you can reach out to us leave us those thoughts comments questions concerns about this episode and about anything else we do here in the MMO universe we are Mike Mike and Oscar on Facebook Mike Mike and Oscar on Instagram at mm and oscar on twitter mike mike and oscar at gmail.com.com and on reddit we are available everywhere you hear podcasts including and especially apple podcasts so if you wouldn't mind going on the apple podcast app typing in mike mike and oscar into the search tapping on our logo scrolling down once and leaving us a five-star review it would take half as long as it did for me just to ramble on in the single breath that i had there michael what are some words of wisdom and what are we doing next in mmo it's wise to listen to the academy queens yes, it is. it's wise to follow at Academy underscore Queens spelled out there on Twitter at Joey Gentile 1992 and it's Joey Gentile spelled spelled as such and Brandon Stanwick W Y C K at the end of Stan there M O U never mind different show go on <laughs> fucking nerd <laughs> what was that. You said it under your breath there, and I'm going to leave it in the episode. <laughs> Why would you go for a Mickey Mouse song there? How I literally, I'll be honest with you, I have no idea. I it just popped either. in my it's head. Like the, you were spelling something. I wanted to spell something. Yeah. And it just, but it, but here's the thing. Yeah. Like you s- delivered it. Correct. Like I'm supposed to run with it. Mickey Mouse, Donald Duck, Mickey Mouse. And, you, and we're trying to pub somebody else's show here. You should listen to Academy Queens you in should. all seriousness. They you are should. very, very good. Uh, and follow all, all three of those accounts on Twitter. You, uh, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podtail. I mean, there's so many podcatchers that I don't, I don't even know about. I don't even think we're on some of these. Listen Notes. Mike, are we on Listen Notes? That sounds fake. Pod yeah. Paradise? I'm just going to assume those are fake things. They're not fake things. I'm looking at them right now. <laughs> We should be on there. These guys are smarter than us. Well, I think they proved that. <laughs> that we had an awesome time yes. talking to them. And uh, go listen to their show. It's a great show. I've been addicted uh, all week, really catching up on their last uh, season, season three there. Yeah, if you so, appreciate the deep dives that we do, they yeah. do that uh, just as well, if not better than we do. And Kindred spirits, awesome. for sure. So, yeah. uh, definitely go check them out. Guys, keep checking us out. We have more category reviews coming. We have the 1917 OSP coming. We got a lot of other reviews, category reviews, award season reviews, SAG reviews. 
It's award season, baby. It's getting to the end of the sprint. You got to leave it all out there on the field. Other sports rhetorical sayings and phrases. Uh, look, when reality sucks, you can come watch these movies, these categories, and these award shows with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year-round without the stuffiness. Thank you for listening. We will see you all very soon. See ya. And then I got pregnant. And I thought that having a baby could be ours, could really be ours, but also really mine. And, you know, he was so excited. <laughs> so it was nice. And for a while.